Hello and welcome to the Two Medics podcast. My name is Dushigan Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar subspecialising in intervention. Hi, I'm Beth and John. I'm an ex-neurosurgery trainee, current GP trainee. I'm not sure what I'm specialising in this week, actually. Do you think, getting straight into it, when... Um, <laughs> hello, Thrush, how are you? <laughs> hello, how are you? No, but just, whilst it's on my mind, because I'll probably forget in 30 seconds, quite a few people who, like, you know, are GP trainees and stuff, do like a little niche that they'll carve out for, yeah. myself, for themselves. Do you have one, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I'm hoping so. So for me, I the whole thing about, like, chronic back pain, chronic pain, that kind of st- thing, and headache as that's well. So I know that's quite a vague, like... That's quite a broad topic, but those are the things that I are interesting me more. And I think it's quite a good niche because lots of people, I've worked with people who like avoid that. And I feel like it fits yeah. with like neurosurgery as well. But I quite like acute frailty as well. I know those are like, they don't fit together, but I like acute frailty and Jerry's. I think oh, that's wow. quite a nice one. But I think, do you know, it's one of those people like you like lots of different things, but you don't yeah, yeah. know like where you end up. I think I'm quite happy to do as little as women's health as possible so that I've, I've got that one kind of sussed out. It's so interesting because I wouldn't pick those as particularly popular sounding niches yeah. because to me they sound really difficult. Um, and I think it's really- probably a reflection of my personality. You're like oh I, I'm unlikely to achieve this so I'm going to give it a go. It's like that weird oh. pettiness sometimes and oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. I think for me I think it's definitely an area that I need to learn a lot more about but I think I can definitely see the gap for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. But in terms of, yeah, I wouldn't want to do any other joints, but just the back. Yeah. I'm not sure how that works. But yeah, chronic pain as a whole, I think I would, uh, that interests me loads, the psychology behind it and stuff. Um, That's such so an interesting knows, yeah. perspective to take. This is something that I don't feel quite as strong at. So therefore, I'm going to work on it. Like, yeah, strange. How do you get it? to be like that? I need, yeah. to, I need to figure that out, man. Because then, but then the whole ADHD thing means that I'll, it or we'll start to try and pick up the day and <laughs> then I'll like, be like bored now yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, it's yeah. what's next I don't oh, know yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite I've, I've not, I don't know a lot about the kind of the specialist interest thing yet and I feel like we're being a bit discouraged from that as trainees in my locality mm. anyway they're saying you should you need to be generalists first which is obviously a really good point but I think what I've seen on Twitter and stuff is that people don't always stick with their first special interest so it's not okay. like you start one and then that's it for the rest of your life so I think GP is lucky at the moment where you can try and still carve like little pathways for yourself. How much longer mm. that goes on for, I don't Exists. know. But mm. I think, yeah, that's, I think, yeah, that's maybe that's my thinking at the moment. But huh. who knows? Well, that's a little insight. That's a little insight. There you go. Into, you know, what's yeah, you figure are. out also, what that might be different in about six months. I think that sounds. If you ask me next week, it'll probably be something else. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, this now. We should shout out our sponsors at scrbs underscore UK. So they put you in scrubs. They uh, make comfortable, practical and great looking scrubs that are perfect for doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, vets, dentists, carers, you name it. They look great. And if you use our promo code, which is 2medics, T-W-O-M-E-D-I-C-S-10, you get 10% off. So check them out. Okay. So a big topic to start off with caused a lot of controversy. And this was from Duncan McGregor. Oh, Duncan, you again. And he, so he was described, so he linked some Itsu rice noodles. And that's not controversial in itself. No, they are delicious said, and gluten-free. They are delish. Yeah. Yeah. After, oh, they're gluten-free. I didn't know yeah. that. And so he goes, okay, so I'm having my first ever pot noodle. And you know what? I'm gutted. This is awesome. What have I been missing out on my whole life? Do you get to explain why this caused so much outrage? Duncan. I think <laughs> the fact that, yes, we have no issue with the Itsu rice noodle pot. They are delicious. But there's no yeah. way on earth you can call that a pot noodle, is it? A pot noodle needs to be original. Was it green with chicken and mushroom, but didn't actually contain any chicken? I think it's, I think it's actually vegetarian, <laughs> the chicken and mushroom, because my vegetarian friend no. eats them. Yeah. Oh, or the other beef and tomato classic, which may contain meat. I don't know. But I just, oh, I, wasn't it endearing? It's like a Tory pot noodle almost, isn't it? Like the yeah. with that San Pellegrino's Tory Fanta, isn't it? And Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Exactly, isn't it? That's so, so to sweet. Call... Sweets I'm a child. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He sounded so excited as well. I know. Yeah. I feel like your first ever should be a really dirty green pot noodle. Pro- it should. Like the king size, definitely. That should be... 
that's how you should lose your pot noodle virginity, I think. It's true. And then because it has, I don't think you get the same kind of sequelae. Like the, it's a whole experience, isn't it? Like the saltiness it of is. it, feeling the it extreme is. thirst after. So you oh have God, to have yeah, like, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. It's so you're salty, parched. so you got to have yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, literally. So you've got to have it with a can of fizzy drink. It doesn't matter which one. You, I mean, yeah. if you want to have it. But I used to like it with Dr. Pepper. Oh, and, full fat um, coke I, for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And chicken and mushroom or chow mein would be yeah. my two. Forgot but, about uh, the other uh, extra limited edition flavors. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not limited it's edition, but anything that's not green or brown is, <laughs> is exotic. <laughs> oh, this brown. Me. Brown's <laughs> exotic. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, so the brown one's a beef one, isn't it? And then beef there's and the orange one, which is. Yeah. yeah. I don't it's like the curry one, isn't it? Yeah. No, is I there? never liked the brown one. When growing up, I was always green and my brother was always brown. That's just what our was preferences it? were. Yeah. And then right. it took me a long while because you get that little sachet of soy sauce in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. for years growing up, I didn't know what soy sauce was. So I was like, well, I'm not having that on my pot noodle. So I would bin it. <laughs> and now I'm just like regretting all those years. So now oh. I very much have soy sauce. But do you know what is like the dirtiest thing of all time? And we always do this when we go camping. So I don't eat pot noodles anymore. They're not, they contain gluten, unfortunately. Boring. Mm. But my dog is named after pot noodle. That's why she's called oh, noodle. Because no. when we used to go camping, our, like the group of 10 of us, we just used to have like pot noodle sandwiches. That was our thing. So really cheap white bread, really salty butter, obviously make the pot noodle up. And then we would have it between the that it was just filthy i don't understand so what you'd like pour it into the bread but when the bread gets soaked or do you strain the no so you don't i guess you don't add as much water you just pick the noodles out and put them on the sandwich it's you're looking at me as if i'm crazy pour the liquid over (laughs) what kind of civilized (laughs) like how does the idea like generate that's going to be something you're going to do innovative yeah i wish i could claim that it's definitely a thing i've seen online but yeah that was oh god that was our thing and then you know you go to like music festivals and you get those big flags like printed and stuff ours was a green pot noodle (laughs) (laughs) pot noodle flag for no reason yeah I didn't realise that. I'm more of an enthusiast, but I didn't realise I was in the presence of someone who obviously has Some, like a lot of great memories. Somewhat of a connoisseur, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my days. But any, gosh, wow. So, Should we just um, finish the podcast there? That's yeah, my pot noodle the, talk. The pot, yeah. We should call it the podcast. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I know. So he was talking about, um, I guess you link this as a kind of night shift snacks. So was it, would you, would you have pot noodles on your night shift? No, it just made me think. So I would, I didn't have pot noodles on a night shift. I was, uh, night shifts I find really hard to know what to eat because hmm. you get to that like period of about 3 or 4 a.m. You just feel sick to your stomach. And it's, I always find it hard to know whether to not eat or whether to force myself to eat. So I always used to have like, this snack of full fat coke. And those steak McCoy's crisps, like that oh, used to be, that would get me through 3am. Right. If I, or it'd have to be something stodgy, like I'd get like a Tesco meal deal going into work or something. Okay. But it's that weird period. And I would never want to eat anything healthy on a night shift. So like that time right. of morning, I just couldn't face the thought of a salad or any nutrition, essentially. So it would, <laughs> yeah, it was like the ice cold full fat Coke from the vending machine. And then. Right. Yeah, a big grab bag of steak Mackay's. Probably like just pure salt and sugar yeah. <laughs> to get you through. But do you have any right. like night shift snackies well, or? I think it evolved as time went on. Because I remember there's quite a junior doctor thinking that to keep me awake and keep my energy levels up, I'd be constantly eating through the night. And so yeah, yeah. after a little while, I try, try and do stuff that was healthy because I guess if I'm eating constantly, and so I'd have a bag of carrots or something and literally. Like people used to take the mick because I'd just be like chomping, like literally bags yeah. of carrots, just like chomping on them. It just helps you see to... at night though, Therisha. It's important you know that... to the medrage, yeah. You know that's like propaganda, right? That came out. Is like, it? Um... Oh, yeah, so, like, so like, during... like make you during... think. Yeah, so during the Second World War, I think because the kind of fighter, the English fighter jets had radar or something, and but they didn't want the Nazis to know that they had radar so they made up this thing that they ate loads of carrots and they're really good at seeing in the dark wow. I think that's interesting big, factoid there big carrot uh, conspiracy yeah um, exactly I'm not bothering with it. the only reason why I ate carrots was to a see in the dark and b hoping that I would eat enough carrots that I would turn slightly orange turn. and look like I had a yeah. tan neither <laughs> of those have happened for me I'm neither just, of those were I'm just gonna bin them oh, off yeah I'm gonna yeah go for another veg I think 
try curry pot noodles instead. And see. No, it's it's, sure it's, it's your pot noodles, darling. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so it started with that. But then what I realised, certainly as I've gotten older, is that my guts just can't handle that stuff anymore. I was going like, to say, it's harsh, it. isn't it? Yeah, Awful, yeah. Right? And I just feel yeah. like nights mess me up anyway. And then just to feel a little bit gross in the end. So now I actually tend to not really, I just treat them... I, I just eat like you wouldn't eat times. in the middle of the night anyway would you like why are no. you yeah I think yeah. this is probably too much information but I feel as night shifts would go on as I got older I would make my way down this Bristol stool chart because it just <laughs> completely I don't know what it's just so uh, unnatural so... like I just couldn't explain it right but... so what number are you now then um, oh, I guess you don't do nights anymore. So you're no, I'm not up, doing nights. So I'm staying in the top half of the chart when I don't top need gluten. <laughs> good. All right. That's good to uh, know. Yeah. So some oh, more insights into things there for people. Oh, yeah. nights. So <laughs> yeah, not, not a six and a seven. Not again. <laughs> yeah, my days are my days. So yeah, I'll try and I'll cut out caffeine. I won't have after nine o'clock. I'll only drink water up until about 11, like 11 o'clock and I won't have anything. And then I'll probably have a cup of tea or coffee about six in the morning to get me ready for the drive home. Yeah. And usually when I was at, when I was a medreg, like I'd try and get like a fry up on the last, the last morning. After yeah. Night. So that'd be like done. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna That's a, a good, good yeah. Good finish it. Did you ever do that yeah. thing? Like some people saying like when you get home after a night shift, it's technically like your dinner time. So like, I know I used to have a beer some mornings, like after my last uh, one and eat something like savory rather than like cereal and stuff. Yeah. I don't know what the ethos was. It's probably just an excuse to have a beer before midday. No, I have heard of yeah. a few people do that, a beer. I know someone who has a beer pretty much after each night shift. I'm like, sure, well, I think oh, that. <laughs> well, I always feel a bit funny about it because like when I'm like going to work, it's like, technically the same day and I always feel a yeah, bit Yeah, and then you that. think I've like, been drinking before, which yeah, we yeah. haven't, by the way, in case general no, 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 no. companies are listening. But... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly yeah. Some may say. But yeah, but I always find that after, and so, and generally actually because of that, I end up being quite healthy during my nights. I'm always like quite healthy up until, and then when I'm trying to get back into normality, I think all, because like, mm. I don't know, all kind of self-restraint goes. And so that first day after the night, I'm usually that evening getting a takeaway. and Yeah, drinking. it's hard not to though, because it is, it is, does feel like an achievement of sorts. It's almost like a yeah. relief, isn't it? When you finish the night, you're just like, oh, like it's, you just let go. And it is nice to have a nice treat and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, a little bit. Even walking in tonight's now, even though like I've seen, like I've been a doctor since two thousand and oh, bloody ages, mm. and still walking in tonight's, like I still get that kind of weird jittery, like nervous feeling. Yeah, and it's there is that euphoria. Strange, the end. yeah, yeah. It's I think it's it's more like it's the unknown. I think sometimes as well, isn't it? It's not nothing about a night shift is like a normal day. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of which, like so during on calls, you linked a tweet from Ollie Barton where he talked about being oh no it wasn't from Ollie Barton it was from Thomas Dolphin oh was this about the trackers yeah so do you imagine during your nights being tracked that'd be yeah so this was a tweet from at Thomas Dolphin who said learned today that a hospital in London tracks the physical location of its on-call staff with hospital supplied mobile devices is this widespread now this caught my eye because when I did god 10 years ago I did the academic foundation program I was doing it in med ed but my supervisor decided to retire and no one replaced him so I was like scrounging for projects and met this guy who was like a respiratory consultant I think and he was doing some research into like trying to document what doctors do out of hours I never really understood a lot of what was going on with story of my life but one of the one of the kind of protocols or one of the like proposed things that was going to happen was that people were going to wear pedometers and trackers and it was more to do not so much for tracking but I think the ultimate aim was to be like showing how inefficient things were and then trying to like optimize environment and stuff and it was the whole point about doctors walk this many miles and whatever so I wasn't involved when that happened but it just rang a bell when I saw this and I thought oh my gosh is that technology actually being used to track people's whereabouts and it doesn't sound like it's for a research type way it yeah. literally sounds we're tracking on call doctors and to what extent do they like monitor how long you take to answer your bleeps in the toilet therusha or yeah, what's the <laughs> yeah what? i know they'd be like he's that been there for been 30 hovering. minutes <laughs> i know and then they found out what my favorite toilet was that would be I know. awful yeah and then the secret's out then you can't go to your secret poop toilet in work that's hot information 
And I don't want to share that. And also, it just seems a bit weird. I just wonder that. I imagine in reality, you'd hope that there's nobody who's really got the time to be wondering what the hell... To literally watch it all, yeah. Yeah. You think, or is there like some hospital at night matron who's like, oh, the efficiency of this person's... And Yeah, it's a bit big brothery, isn't it? It's odd. You think with that energy, they should be using to employ more staff to make the job easier rather than like... Yeah, uh, oh gosh, totally. And then, but part of me thought then, is this like med Twitter is just a bit of a just a bit of a bimfire at the minute and people are just mm. loving to get annoyed about stuff and we mentioned the uniforms didn't we last week because it, people were annoyed the doctors weren't mentioned on this national uniform we were like why are people getting mad about that because who's going to wear them and then mm. I wondered is this one of those things obviously I don't know is this one of those things that's just been picked up heard some information about yeah. vaguely and then it's something else that we're getting mad about Outrage! Like, exactly yeah. people just love yeah. to be Peed at the moment, don't they? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. Yeah, exactly. How else do I live if I'm not angry? <laughs> it sustains me. The anger sustains me. The tweet from Ollie Burton that I wanted to mention was about calling consultants by their first names. And he was quote tweeting Peter Brennan, who uh, didn't he? he? I think he rewrote Grey's Anatomy or something, didn't he? It's a certain neurosurgeon. Yeah, he's a surgeon who's like really big in human factors, human factors and like the non technological yeah. skills of surgeons. Yeah. He's and, written a lot of books and papers. Yeah, and so he he did this. He took a photo of uh, a notice board that had different members of staff and their names. And so the lead nurse, scrub nurse, I don't know what HSCW is, something. It's, I think it's like the HCA type uh-huh. of, yeah, something okay, care so, worker. Po- uh, oh, so hospitals uh, or support care worker, something like that. Ah, okay. And then anaesthetic practitioner, anaesthetist. So pretty much everyone was identified by their first names, except for him. He was called, He was named as Prof Brennan. And so Peter Brennan, he said, our TMID board, can you spot the issue? This morning, a a new member wrote everyone's first name, but mine was title and surname. This instantly creates a potentially steep hierarchy with new team members who might not feel able to speak up with concerns. We've changed it now, smiley face. Now, (laughs) I I think it's quite nice that this person was able to recognize from that, that there's like a hierarchical thing and wanted to dismantle it. So I like the energy. But obviously then it does raise the kind of question about first names and whether, because Ollie shared his own anecdote, right? He said, for some sort of additional reference, I got a public bollocking as a medical student for calling a consultant by their first name to someone else, as that's how they'd introduced themselves to me. Been very hesitant since. What do you think about that? So, yeah, so I saw Ollie's original take and he said, under basically zero circumstances, would I feel comfortable calling a consultant by their first name, perhaps even more so in theatre? And I was, that's exactly my sentiment too. Like I think coming, and people have said this to me in GP because a lot of GP is, I, th- I think you call them by their first name and it's a habit that I've not been able to get into. And then someone said to me like, oh, that's because of your surgical background. And I think it is a bit yeah. like that. So this, when I was a neurosurgery trainee, I would never dare. So I would always call prof, Mr, Mrs, Miss, whatever. When I became a reg, however, there was one consultant, and this made no sense to me at all, and this one consultant came to me and said, oh, now you're a registrar, you can now call me by my first name when we're not in front of patients. But it was like, oh, you need to get to a certain level to do that? I was like, no, I'll still be calling you like Mr. Whoever. Mm. And there was, like, I think it would have been a really weird vibe if I'd called Mm. them, especially in theatre, by their first name. I wouldn't even dare. And even now with, like, my supervisors and stuff, I have to call them doctors, whoever. And it's not because they've made it like that. My own internal issue makes me uncomfortable. But then you look at A&E and everyone's pretty much on first name basis there. A lot of GP is the same. Again, I think Mm. it does depend. Given like age and seniority, some people rightly so want to be called by their title. But Mm. yeah, what's it like in cardiology? Is it similar surgical vibes or? I think it does vary. One of my friends, so today... Interestingly, I was, so I met one of the, I was in the lab with one of the consultants for the first time and I kept calling him Dr. and his surname and he was like, oh my God, please just call me my first, he literally was like, oh my God, please just call yeah, me my first that's name. that's a go ahead, so, just a green light, isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah, so I was like, fine. But the funny thing, it reminds me, there's like a friend of mine who was working with one of the cardiology consultants and they went out for dinner, right? And she took her husband with her and at the dinner... He, the husband also didn't know if he should refer the consultant as Dr. So-and-so. And so he started as 
Dr. So-and-so, and he didn't get corrected or anything. It was like, usually oh. like when you're out, the person will correct you, but it didn't happen. And so oh, you just okay. kept doing it and you felt like you had to commit. This is, <laughs> yeah, just... the doctor is their first name now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I definitely do, I definitely will, because I think, I wonder if like in the surgical environment, because ultimately the responsibility is with them and and there has to be they're, they're like seen as a team leader so you have to re- recognize that hierarchy and maybe that's the thinking that they have in that scenario and mm. um, I'm also aware and I make a point of it when I'm with like when I'm going around with uh um, doctors who are less senior to me to always introduce them as doctor yeah. surname because I feel like I used to like it when people did that for me. Yeah, like it feels good. Yeah, yeah, because you're like recognised, and I always introduce them regardless of what they want to do. I re- I introduce them as one of the cardiologists, and I just feel, because I used to like it when people did that to me because it made you feel like you're part of the team and you your status was recognised and you're showing the patient their status. Yes. And so I get what that consultant maybe was saying when they were like in front of patients because I guess maybe they. Oh yeah, I, t- I totally get that. I, I to me, it was intriguing that they had to say it to me because obviously uh, no. they don't know me that well. But I would never dream of calling a consultant by their first name in front of patients. It right. was just that came is like this little speech that they had prepared that they said, "Oh, yeah," which is that's a if, weird thing. Yeah, and I was like, weird, "Oh, I would never they? do that." Yeah, yeah, they do make yeah. it weird. But then I just thought I was like, "No, I can't." Like I'll just be calling you, Mister. And then yeah, some, exactly. like a lot of, I don't know if this happens everywhere, but a lot of surgeons like. A lot of regs will call, yes, oh, yeah, yes, boss, or whatever, in neurosurgery at least. And then no one would correct that either. I always felt a bit strange yeah. I hate saying boss. that. I, hate... I can <laughs> use it if I'm describing someone as a, in the third person. So I'd be like, my boss. Yeah. But I wouldn't call someone boss because I think like... It's strange, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And also in know. Liverpool, it's like an adjective. You say, oh, that's dead boss, la. Right. That's brilliant. Yeah, in a good it's way. Like... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, oh, that's dead boss, that's dead cool or whatever. It just feels dead very cool. kind of dead cool in it, bruv. I was showing like our millennial status there. <laughs> I know. Oh, this is all the this new language that the kids are all speaking. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it is so interesting it though. Yeah. It's. I think it explains a lot about, like you say, hierarchy. It's something as simple as just the name, but there are. It feels like I think I will always int- to patients. I always introduce myself as as Doctor John or Doctor Beth and John, yeah. and I didn't used to. I do now, but. Yeah, I just think to colleagues, though, I would always ask them to call me like Bethan or whatever. Or oh, I hate it when people are like, you're on a ward that you don't normally work on and they're just like, oh, doctor, oh, doc. And then, so oh, you can call me Bethan. And they're like, oh, no, it's okay, doc. And I'm like, no, please call me by my name. Like, I don't like, it's so impersonal, I think. Like, I'm not calling you nurse or whatever. I'm asking what your name is. And it takes two yeah. seconds, doesn't it? Like, I it just, does. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Do you... Do you make an effort to correct them? Because I find that I do. Yeah. Do you mean like correct colleagues if they call you doc or? Yeah. Yeah. And it causes quite a lot of tension sometimes. Mm. I had one female colleague. So she kept referring to me as doc. And then she was talking about me to someone else in the room. And I was sitting there and she was like, oh, the doctor said this. And I said, oh, no, I'm here. You can include me as part of the conversation. I'm happy to tell you what's happened, but please call me Bethan. Like I've said, I've told you we've worked together. It was like on an assessment unit and we'd work together daily. So it wasn't as if we were the first time meeting. I said, please call me Bethan or Beth. That's my name. And then she she rolled her eyes at me and I was like, this is so odd. And then someone else, like another junior doctor, phoned the unit or whatever. And someone referred to her as doctor. And then this lady was like, oh, no, you can't call her that. You have to ask her what her name is. Oh, for God's sake. Like in, in... earshot of me and I was like all I was yeah. asking was you to just actually use my name you, you get from that the attitude that person had that there was yeah. no that this was based in no respect right yeah and you know what like and I'm obviously it's like surmising or whatever but I thought if this was a man like a, a nice man coming on and they're saying oh doctor and then he goes oh no call me Sarusha and then they're like oh okay you know what I mean I can imagine them being yeah, quite yeah. jovial with that but when I was like please can you call me just by my name or yeah. if you're talking about me just you know, include me in the conversation. It just, Mm. it was like, it almost turned bitchy and I was just a bit confused by that, but. Yeah, that's a shame. I had a similar, not a similar interaction, but like relatable interaction quite recently where one of the nurses came up to me and she goes, are you the registrar? And I was like, I am a registrar. 
And, yeah. like, and then she just launches into like, just, water. Yeah. And she's and Mike wanted, and I was like, who's Mike? And she's like, oh, Mike. And then she said the consult- this consultant's name. I'm like, oh, yeah, happy to use his first name, even though I don't, yeah. as in, you're chummy with him, right? But yeah, no, but there's no real need it. to know my name. So yeah. I was like, and then I literally, she started talking. I was like, hi, I'm Darusha. I'm one of the <laughs> yeah. cardiology registrars. And she's, and then I got a response, but it was really weird. I don't know. It was almost it's like just, my yeah. name wasn't worth. Yeah, that's and that's what gets me because I don't know in what other sphere of life would that happen. I don't know, like when you're on like training courses or not even anything work related, like you join a new club or whatever, you like introduce yourself and people use your name. And if they don't remember it, they're like, oh, sorry, what was your name again? And like that. And then, but to refuse, like I've only ever experienced this (laughs) in work for people to refuse to use my name. Like I've never experienced it elsewhere outside of medicine. Yeah, you'd be flabbergasted at the number of people who refuse to say my name. I don't. I, know, I can't think that of why. Pisses me off, man. Like, I just. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's. And it's the thing. Like names are not hard. If you no. can't say it, just ask again, and yeah. then that's it. How much of an investment is it to say someone's name? Exactly. Like, like you just read I mean, it. Just yeah. just read it. Like it's not. And if you say it a bit wrong, then they'll say, that's not how you say it. This is how you say it. This and you is, can say yeah. it a few times. What are you not like humiliating them by trying to learn their name? And if it's difficult oh. for you to, for some reason, then you get around it. Like a phosin is quite hard to say for a few times. But after a while, yeah, you, you said just it, learn it. Like we're doctors, man, if we can't learn to say words, yeah. we've got no no. Yeah. Now, part, so speaking of things that are difficult, though, there's a really relatable to, oh, it's gone. Oh, should we not talk about it then? Someone. Yes, I think it's worth I think it's worth mentioning like the concept, definitely. So an exam that is so many exams and they have ridiculously high pass marks and they also cost a ridiculous amount to do and it can be utterly soul destroying when you don't pass them or you don't get the kind of I definitely have experience of that. Same. Yeah. I just I think it's like the the issue as well is like the pass mark I feel like is never standardized. It's who decides Mm. that what is it this year? And it's got that feeling of, oh, we have to fail so many people. So let's make the pass mark this now. And it's just that, I don't know what it tests. And again, it's that thing, isn't it? Like, it's not determining whether you're a good doctor or not. Doctor or not. Yeah. yeah. I, and it's just, it is just very antiquated and expensive and a very infuriating thing that you have to stump up a lot of money for. Yeah. That's compulsory at the same time. Like we get well, that's the thing, isn't no it? say. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, obviously we'll get on to PAs in not very long, but one of the things that kind of like, I think is one uh, that makes people particularly annoyed is the number of exams that we're forced to do uh, that appear to go us no real kind of clinical advantage. And yet we're made to do them in order to progress and take part in these kind of like painful rotors. And I guess PAs don't really have to do that so much. But that's the thing, isn't it? Like we've heard these stories and seen these accounts of PAs working at reg level. And and I think actually... I quite enjoyed being a registrar. Yeah, I could potentially proceed to consultant and I guess PAs might not have that, but God knows in the future. But I think it's that thing of you can be, you can work as a PA in a specialty, get trained up and work as a registrar level with, without having done six years in medical school and all these postgrad exams. So it's like, yeah, why just... would I then go down the medical school route? It's like you said, there should be some difference, but yeah, yeah, it's just quite it's so destroying, isn't it? Yeah. Going back to the exams thing, my I've got like a, a family friend in Sri Lanka who's looking to do the MRCP, and he asked my dad to ask, as in his dad asked my dad to ask me if I had any old books and stuff, and I was like, oh, I gave them away like ages ago. But the thing was is that in doing the MRCP exam, I remember buying a whole load of books, including one that was just like this massive textbook, thinking like I'm going to learn all this so that I've got all this background knowledge to do this exam and then lo and behold like I filled the exam and it took me a couple of attempts before I started to listen to people saying look it's a game do the past questions just uh, you know just yeah, questions, questions again, yeah. again right and so I said look let's skip that te- skip that step don't bother buying the books just do the question banks and my dad was like no they won't want to do that they will want to and I'm like oh. And so I can see like why these people like at the Royal College are like, yeah, cash money. Oh, yeah. All these courses Bottom as well. Books. Yeah, it's absolutely. And I, I refuse to believe that it's for bettering the college and stuff. It's purely a money making. I'm, so I'm sure it is. But yeah, I failed my MRCS Part B 
didn't fail it straight away, was told I'd passed. And then a month later, <gasps> they said there was like this admin error and I'd actually failed by four marks instead. No, wait, of... you think at that point... I know, right? Like, it was this whole thing about, oh, someone entered figures wrong on a spreadsheet. And I just thought, I cannot believe, like, I've paid all this money and it's come down to this. I have no faith in any of these institutions. But yeah, it's just, I never hear good stories. You're not going to hear a good story about an exam. That's quite a thing. But it's just like, you would expect that the amount of money that you pay, that you would at least Mm. expect things to work and it'd be like a fair process. But you're right, it is a game. What a joke. Speaking of things that we'd expect expect to work or maybe not work, there was a tweet about, was it like, what's the word for this? So Acupuncture you're talking about the pregnancy? sterile water injection. Sterile water, yeah. In was, it makes me think of, what's that thing? Like where placebo, they have... mean. Yeah. yeah. Placebo. Yeah, so there's this weird, so this came out, I think it was some like new nice guidelines for like intrapartum care. And one of the new topics was, or one of the new additions was to say that people should consider intracutaneous or subcut sterile water injections as a pain relief option for women in labor with back pain. And obviously uproar happened because of this, because people were like, it's voodoo. There's no scientific evidence to this. People were like a bit mad and they were like, actually, no, this has been used and tested in renal colic. It's been researched there. It's got, it's meant, I think it's quite painful. I don't know what the mechanism Mm -hmm. is, but I don't, I couldn't see anything that could explain it to me why this works. The other additions to the guidelines said, explain to a woman that sterile water injections can provide relief of back pain from 10 minutes after the injection for up to three hours, but there can be an initial stinging sensation. These Mm. feel like numbers plucked out of thin air. If the woman chooses to have sterile water injections, give these at four different injection points around the rhombus of Michalis. Oh, I don't know what that is. Using doses of 0.1 mil, blah, blah, blah. So I just think it it was strange. Like I think if, if I'm in labor and someone offers me that i tell them to stick it somewhere sideways but yeah i just it's you know it's, it's that thing again isn't it about like women and the healthcare that women get especially intrapartum and like people <laughs> have major abdominal surgery cesarean awake right. and then they expect it to go home the next day and you think where I else mean, would you have a laparotomy awake right. and then just exactly. go home in 24 hours like right you wouldn't uh, yeah are we doing know. that for gut after like men have their prostate ops? It just seems exactly, really, isn't it yeah. like an indictment that somehow it's like acceptable to imagine there was some person who pioneered that in the first place. And what and who was their thought kind that's of, something that you want to study? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what was their kind of, what was their hypothesis? Because I reckon the hypothesis might have been that it's like... Do you remember like years ago, people... They used always stories, wasn't it, from our older consultant colleagues who were like, oh, in the back in the day... We could give someone saline through the drip and tell them they were having morphine and you could lie about that stuff. And it did have that whiff of that. And I was looking into this and whoever posted this kind of tweet, I know lots of people posted about it through the week. They linked some evidence that apparently the Obstetric Anaesthetist Association had explained to NICE that it makes no sense, but NICE Mm. still went ahead and put this in the guidance. And you think like NICE is a big it's a commissioning group isn't it and you think it's not just yeah. one person who, who said this they've all agreed on it but yeah it's just it, like clearly yeah, thought, strange this will save us money they thought and and it just shows how helplessly they treat women did you see as well people were saying some people said what makes you think that you are the one in charge to say what helps women and what doesn't and I get that. that. And we exactly. there is alternative therapies that everyone is welcome to try. Like I'm a big fan of acupuncture and stuff. Mm. But it's not so much that. I just think that this is being like sold as some sort of yeah. like medicinal thing that might not work. And I saw this other tweet as well. I can't remember if it was this week or last week about a wooden comb, like a hair comb. Right. Um, and it's been recommended in labor for women. It was actually published on some hospitals guidance to, to women that when they're having a contraction, they hold this comb in their hand and they squeeze it and the pain from the comb in the hand is meant to distract them from the pain that they are experiencing during labour. And I saw lots of uproar about that as well. And it was like, imagine that's what you give someone. The looks of them punching themselves in the face. Yeah, that's obviously the next step, isn't it? That's going to be the the new updated guy. Alternate hands and then somehow you distract yourself because you're so It's like, oh, now my head's hurting. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, don't feel the contraction pain anymore. 
Isn't that's like something that like a 15 year old would I don't know it's conjure up as a kind of science experiment and people are entitled to do what works for them but I think it's that harm that's potentially caused saying to women you should be able to cope with this pain yeah. and then if you're needing more like what that means to them psychologically that am I a failure and something's yeah. wrong I don't know it's obviously massive implications yeah rubbish rubbish I saw a tweet from Phil Lee where he posted something infuriating. I had to delete it from my timeline in case somehow my parents came across it because it was about this guy who'd studied medicine and became a doctor, but then also became a pilot. Now, did he become a pilot or a flight attendant? Oh, was it? I don't know. I'm just, hang on, let me, I'm watching the video. He looks like he's dressed in a pilot. Oh yeah, I became became a flight flight attendant. attendant. But he does look like a pilot, like he's got a pilot suit on. I don't know. That's a weird career trajectory. Oh, (laughs) that's a a joke. Rohan made the joke trajectory because it's oh, there you go. Yeah. It's not as yeah. good as your little off the top through show. I'm keeping harking back to the hypertension. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. About that. Nice one, nice one. I like um, it. But like, I thought he'd become strange. a pilot, and I was a bit like, oh, my parents found out that this because there's always like a cousin who like went to Cambridge, did medicine, uh, played the violin, the piano, and was like 18 rugby as a prop. Oh, so there was like one of those things, ship kind of thing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, my parents found out that there's this person who's could like, be a pilot. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're a failure, Theresa. Every Christmas, I'd be sat there. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? You only drive a car? Like, why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, why? Why not? Is he flying? He's flying and saving lives. He's flying to all over the world. You're just doing it in Ipswich, like. Yeah, driving a hybrid. You're so disappointing. Exactly. Yeah. What a joker. Okay, I feel a bit better as a flight attendant because that seems like a peculiar. It feels like a long ass route to do. I'm sure you don't need a medical degree to become a flight attendant. I don't know. It feels like a journey. Do you, th- do you think that you get the kind of, oh, there's stuff about comparisons that we had to talk about today, didn't they? Because there was someone who compared how much doctors pay to someone who works at KFC or something. And that kind of springs up every so often. And there's always yeah. about... The- and I, think was in, I think it, it was in the States, I think. It was minimum wage for McDonald's employees in California or something was like was raised. And I think it was an equivalent of like £16 an hour, something. So then that whole argument came oh, why don't I just work in McDonald's in the States then? Why would I be a doctor? Yeah. That and kind I think of jazz. I've, I, I don't get how it's so hard for people to understand that's like not a cool thing to do. Some people, yeah. they really like, when you say to them, look, we're not the only ones being shortchanged here. There are people who also deserve to be paid more money. And so pitting yourself against them when really what we need is collective action against the people who are com- like are perpetuating this wrongdoing. We need yeah. to collectively b- uh, bargain together. Be and careful now, Therusha, because this is us virtue signaling, isn't it? I'm, as I'm yeah. sure somebody will pipe up and say. But no, you're, yeah. you're right. It, sh- it should just be based on the merits of like, why does it matter what someone earns who works at press we have an incredible amount of responsibility why can't we just campaign but like you say collectively for full pay restoration and pay that remunerates what we actually do day to day and and people say well comparisons are helpful and it's no we shouldn't be concentrating on that because other people yeah it's like comparison is a thief it's a thief of joy like what it is or i mean you can you can come i think what the bma have been smart to do they obviously did that terrible advert with about prep Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. But what they're doing and they're focused on and stayed on point with is comparing our wage with what it was and doing the 35% thing because that's that's very clear. It's very on point. And they're literally saying we are not worth less than we were. And that makes complete sense. It's such a strong argument. Yeah, we do way more than a, than a doctor would have done back then. It's way more difficult now mm-hmm. than it was like fifteen years ago. That's such a, a more cohesive argument. Like all that happens when you compare yourself to other professions is that you just appear a dick to other professions, and you, you, need, you do need the support, like it or not. That's important too. And even if you can't see say that, even if you can't see that side of it, the arguing that occurs as a result of you making the comparisons is counterproductive so stop doing exactly. it because it's just stupid yeah I just uh, yeah agreed yeah. agreed yeah. lots of stupid stuff to talk about isn't there <laughs> do you see the so there's a news report there was that tweet from steve barclay about all the conservative like conference, the conference. seemed to be like about transgender ha- people which is it was weird. horrible like fascist there was one about we're eliminating we're eliminating woke science what the hell does yeah. that mean and then there were, i saw loads of people tweet I'm a scientist and I do not know what woke science means. That was mm. bizarre. Then it was the one about transgender and a kind of avoid 
we're going to eliminate the use of gender neutral language. language. And I think people mm. made a good point and said that you read that, first of all, they made these graphics up with these stupid fascist slogans on. And people were like, oh, that's a parody. And I think you yeah. get to that point where you do, and then you look at it and you realize, no, actually, this is being posted by MPs. It's absolutely disgusting, mm. really disgusting. Isn't um, it really weird yeah. that I just, one thing I don't, I really don't get is that trans people are such a small part of the population, less than 1%, and they're being made to seem as a massive threat to yeah. society. Even though they've been, pe- trans people have existed you know, there, there's evidence of them throughout human history. I don't know why there's this kind of moral panic of them. It seems to be like... Yeah, I don't know where this has come from. Yeah. And it's all about this thing of, oh, it's protecting the safety of women. It just makes no sense to me what, yeah. whatsoever. I just don't get how we get from someone who identifies, who may have been born biologically male, but is very much convinced that's not who they are and that they, they're a trans woman. Like, how do we get on that pipeline to then someone who's a danger to other cis women? Yeah. It does, it just, I, it, the mental gymnastics that have had to happen. And then now it's being just accepted because people love to jump on bandwagons. And now yeah. I think you know, the Tories, are, I, the, there's no excuse in this behavior at all. And people are like, oh, they're just desperate. They're, they're appealing to the right wing, like kind of masses to, to, because yeah. they're going to, what happens in the next general election. But, yeah. We shouldn't be making excuses for these people. Like, they're not brainwashed. These are people who believe these things. Like, people have their own minds. It's not brainwashing. They're not preying on vulnerable people. They are literally like, just turning people against others. And it's just true colours. There is no yeah. excusing. It's massive red flags. But like, and how I just much can't... Of, yeah. How strong a kind of strategy is this in terms of uniting people? Are there that many people who are that bothered? Who are that I think there about, is, Therusha. You know, I think our countries are actually shit to... The people in this country are, like, it's scary. I yeah. think that there's a large proportion of... And I, and I, I you see this? I know you get all aspects of society in all jobs, but even in medicine, loads of people who are, like, championing this within medicine supporting it jamie did a tweet about i'm not gonna yeah, i'm that. gonna speak to my patients how they wish to be addressed thought, use yeah, their preferred yeah, yeah. pronouns and so many people jumped on that threatening to report him and it's and i just think actually these are young people as well who i would have yeah. expected to know better, better. but mm. i just i don't know I, there's no excusing i just think you don't even really i some people are just unable to empathize or sympathize with other people and even if you can't do that can you trans people they have worse health outcomes. Yeah. They're much more likely to experience violence. They're much more likely Trauma, to experience yeah. sexual harassment and violence yeah. and and assault. I think the thing is that isn't their life hard enough? Isn't it? I just don't see why you'd want to just... Could you not feel... It's just harm. It's pure malice and harm, isn't it? Yeah. It's targeted for no reason that I can figure out whatsoever. But to think as well, like you say, that's an important... Aspect in people's lives, yeah. But for some people, it it is, and it's just it's scary. It's crazy, isn't it? Isn't it? There's that whole thing, isn't it, where there's a cost of living crisis, like food. Mm -hmm. uh, Like there's this account that kind of I think it's on TikTok where they talk about the price that things were like three years ago and what the price it is now, and just this has gone up three hundred percent in price. Yeah. But people are happy to deal or to settle for that this whole situation. As long as they can feel better than a, a marginalized group of people, is that essentially yeah. what the Tories are going with? In which so case, yeah, you're right. Is is a massive yeah, like, um, so messed up. Okay, trans women are women. That's trans rights are human rights. Yeah, there was a tweet. Oh, it's a bit more negativity, but it's PAs going to IMT and ACCS teaching, and there was that other comment from NNUH, which was saying that PAs go to theatre <laughs> to free up time for surgical trainees, which is especially. That was a troubling sentence. Well, what does that it was mean? Like, because exactly what to do, dishes. The surgical trainees are actually the ones that need to be freed up to go to theatre. But oh no, the PAs—they're going to do the th- they're going to assist in theatre for you. Don't worry yeah. about it. You can stay on the ward and do yes. whatever. It was just so really short-sighted. I feel like they saw the uproar to because we spoke about Dr. Tanya's kind of WhatsApps last yeah. week, which was like setting the scene for this. And I thought, oh my god, you've seen how upset people rightfully <laughs> are about this, and then you think that. Putting out the statement is oh that's gonna that's gonna help things. Yeah, I just 
and then UH just needs to they just need to just stop they just to just delete their they just need to stop and start again I feel yeah. like something yeah. like they a hard reset just, they need exactly they just need a social media no social media October and just just this, stay calm um, there was this tweet and I think it applies to this situation as well and some I think it was a tweet about the Tory party conference and generally the shit that's being spouted at the moment <laughs> Yeah. And it was like, does anyone have the feeling we're all a victim of a mass gas leak at the moment because decisions <laughs> that are being made? Yeah, and I feel yeah. like that's the same with that hospital, isn't it? Something's going on that, really? It's carbon monoxide, just... Yeah, yeah let's like, blame probably, that. Yeah. yeah, totally. I saw this video of Pretty Patel and Nigel Farage. Oh my gosh, I saw that. It? it scarred me for life, Therusha. I need so to I know, to I've edited this. that clip and I was like, I need to think of a funny caption for it. And so I keep watching it thinking, okay, sometimes I'll see something and I'll be like, that, that, they were should, singing, that could be, I love, love you, baby. Oh, yeah. oh, I love you, yeah. And I was like, but the thing is, I keep rewatching it, looking for inspiration, thinking, okay, how can I make this into a joke? And all I, each time though, I just feel revulsion and I can't yeah, get past that feeling to get to, yeah, because yeah. I'm like, these people, they're just, they're like cartoon villains all hanging out. They're just all, oh yeah, I did a bit of racism today. Oh, me too. Look. I don't know, yeah. just different flavours of racism. It sucks. Oh, I did, I did take great pleasure in reading some accounts of people getting thrown out of bars in Manchester because they were wearing their Tory <laughs> conservative <laughs> right. conference lanyards and they were getting evicted from pubs for that reason alone and I was like yeah that's sound I'll, I'll get on that there was this one guy who was like oh yeah my girlfriend dumped me when she found out I was a Tory and he was like <laughs> what is it that changed in those few minutes and I'm like she found out you're a Tory she saw and sense then, like, yeah there's yeah, nothing literally. else but how could she not tell from the way that you're behaving yeah it's but... not often yeah and both people don't get there like oh you need to be like tolerant and stuff and it's like, well, that's the problem with people voting Tory I think why like, would we um... tolerate fascism that's yeah, yeah, yeah. the opposite of what we should be doing if you need to have a particular set of values as you need to have to morals yeah you need to have some yeah. sort of morals apart and, from uh, just trying to just banish very marginalized vulnerable segments of society yeah and just worry about it's always a good place to start yeah there was a nice i'm always interested in the use of language and there was that tweet about from it was from stella safo mdp mph and she said please read this twice fellow docs terms like non-compliant and against medical advice, pigeonhole already marginalised patients and can literally contribute to adverse outcomes. We need to do better. And I think this kind of sp- was a spin-off of a tweet that talked about when oh, gosh, a yeah, patient be- is, behaves yeah, yeah. rudely to document it. And I thought it was interesting, like an interesting conversation, because it, it does call to question why we document stuff and how we document stuff. And I definitely think there are certain things that, to my mind, I do think are pejorative. In cardiology, people will say missed STEMI, or they'll say a patient declined. No, it's very blaming, refused. isn't it? Yeah, yeah refused. Yeah, it's very refused. blaming. I don't like refused. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any better terms for non-compliant? I find that a difficult this, one. Yeah, this causes me a lot of angst. So I always, I really get angry at some of it. So bed blocking literally takes oh, me yeah. over the edge. So that. It's a no. And my other thing, so I've been very conscious when I'm writing clinical letters and re- uh, recording in notes is presenting complaint. I hate that. I hate the word oh, complaint. Yeah, so I'll always say presenting problem or current problem or something like that. I don't know what it right. is because I think, oh, the patient's complaining. That's not really fair. Um, mm. Non-compliant. I tend to write something like um patient does not wish to take or patient does not wish to do because of whatever or yeah yeah that's what, isn't it yeah because it's ultimately like everything's a choice unless you're acting in best interests for whatever reason or patient reports does not want to so not like avoiding things like not willing re- avoiding yes. refusing avoiding that kind of non-compliant type language because so you're giving everyone's allowed yeah everyone's allowed to make decisions for themselves whether we think they're bad decisions or good decisions that's purely opinion like everyone's free to make that but you're by using those words you're like implying another level of i don't know what you're what you think is judgment yeah that's what i'm trying to say it's another layer of judgment who made you god (laughs) do you know what i mean Mm. and we don't always the stuff that we suggest is and the stuff that we do is a bit ridiculous sometimes we are we do end up we are asking 
stuff of people like we are asking for their trust like for example like we need your procedure on them even though we go the risk of this happening is one in a thousand but the thing that could happen will be could be utterly catastrophic you're still asking for their faith in you that's still and that one in a thousand if that happens to them then you might have a hundred percent chance to them yeah Yeah, exactly once it's happened absolutely and you have to respect that in a way totally and so when you say refused or whatever i just it's a bit it and as i think i liked your description like how you manage it which is by providing detail because the thing mm. is that saying non-compliant is so dismissive it's just end of story that's it non-compliant yeah whereas there's a story to it and that may yeah. well be useful um, so i had a guy who was reported as being non-compliant with his psych meds oh this was like a long time ago but it was more the fact that he had really poor vision and couldn't see the boxes and couldn't see what they were labeled, what the dosage was. So it was just getting all mixed up. But then someone labeled him as non-compliant and because it was like psych related, he just got this stigma of, oh, he's not engaging with services, but actually he had a physical visual impairment that meant he couldn't, do you know what I mean? That there's, That's nothing to do with being compliant or not. It's more that he was not having the support that he needed, whereas that by saying someone's non-compliant with their psych medication tells you none of that. So we owe it, I think, to to add that reasoning when we do know what it is. Or to at least dig. If someone's not taking something that they've been advised, you always need to ask why that is. That's our duty, I think. Yeah, sure. This is an interesting one. So the tweet's about, was it an original tweet from Dr. Mark Wright, Mark the liver doc, that said, there's a problem inside hospitals caused by our reliance on specialists. Day one, plan xxxology review day two plan await xxxology opinion day three plan chase xxxology it's actually a system trap known as shifting the burden to the intervener and addiction leading to bottlenecks and so phil nee posted a quote tweet which i think was a nice response which was it would probably help if when a generalist makes a reasonably sound decision to discharge with appropriate follow-up and safety netting they don't have more (laughs) holes shot into their plan than into the body of pablo escobar specialists here dr lee yeah it works both ways doesn't it because we see this happening and then you're thinking actually that's quite sensible and then someone will come along who's got no actual sense of what you do as a generalist and they're obviously very focused on their ology and it becomes very easy for them to attack but then you've got the other side of the spectrum which equally winds me up when you are working in a true generalist area GP, A&E, AMU, whatever, and then people will refuse to make decisions and will demand the mm. specialty review, like what this original tweet is saying. And it's, right. no, actually, like, we can make, we're educated, we can make a safe guess, but that kind of very defensive... St- yeah, like, it's framed, oh, no, but you guys will shout at us. And it's, no, we're literally telling you that this is fine and that you can yeah, make yeah. a decision here. Yeah. You don't need us to... And they'll be like, oh, no, you need to come, you need to see the patient, you need to write, you need to write in the notes That's yourself. You need to write, yes. Because you need to write in the notes, that. you need to see your writing. Happen, yeah. You need yeah. it. Okay, yeah. but... and because the implication there i feel i hate the implication of that because the implication is that if anything happens then they'll say oh yeah we spoke to the uh, the specialty and the specialty person will be like no you didn't oh yeah yeah. as if it's like this big conspiracy i I guess that's what it is i don't know yeah a nice little conversation there that comes around every so often do you want to tell us we're coming close to time but there are obviously lots of there are lots of topics that we every week oh my gosh, yeah we've not even scratched that, the surface oh my gosh but one of the good things i found <laughs> even <laughs> myself is to go through the newsletter because then i do find that oh, these things oh, send you yeah. in. i did the tweet that you linked what's in the drawer do you want to tell us about that, that yeah so this was this was a tweet by andreas uh, I... I like his handle yeah, what? Oh, yeah. Is it was it? Has your reg tried or something like yeah. that? And it just, yeah, it made it makes me laugh because I feel like I don't know what everyone calls it, but I feel like everyone's got a shit drawer. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Everyone's got that drawer in their house where yeah. there's just the most random ar- arrangement of items. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. Andreas so posted a picture of a closed drawer and said, the anesthetic on call room desk drawer, what's inside? So let's guess. So what's people in started that to guess. drawer? So he's talking anaesthetics. I'm going to say a surgical gown 
that they will then oh, wear yeah. the other way because they get cold uh, yeah. on nights. Yeah. Keep them warm. Yeah. Why? Yeah. So a re- a, an old surgical gown, some kind of coffee sachet, maybe massively yeah. playing to the stereotypes. And I'm going to say. It wouldn't be a sachet, though. It'd be beans, wouldn't it? It'd be beans. Depends how desperate you are on call. Probably beans. Oh, and yeah. then maybe a little pocket grinder because they oh, are fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a puncture repair kit. Again, more stereotypes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. I'm thinking of like proper practical stuff. I was thinking like cannulas, jelly, because yeah. they love a bit of pocus. They, they do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Maybe some shorts. condoms to use as like sheaths. That's what okay. happened to my old dress. We used to literally use condoms okay. on the, as the sheath because they were cheaper. So who knows? And it you know okay. could be like a Grey's Anatomy type situation. But, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, uh, just for the sh- they're just for those things, aren't just it? Just for the ultrasound pro, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, look yeah. at this lovely on-call room that we're in. Of course, we would want to have yeah. intimate relations in such an environment. Exactly. You know, I do yeah. notice that on the edge oh. of that, on the edge of that drawer, there's like a black bin bag, which is it uh, is classic NHS bin, just being hanging off a drawer, hooked onto something. Okay, um, be there. Let's uh, think of some more. Then anaesthetists would have. They probably have a Sudoku, little Sudoku yes, like book. a crossword book or something. Yeah. Um, what else? Probably like something on physics or you know, yeah, some, some textbook of... that's got loads of diagrams in that none of us can understand. Yeah. What else might they have? So you did this, we did the cycling and the coffee, coffee, the coffee, coffee. coffee and the KY. I think, what else do they need really? Oh, the little kind of laryngeo, you know, the thing that they, oh, the, the scope thing. Yeah. yeah the yeah. blade. Yeah. The, the blade. The they blade. love that little toy. They hold that, um, hold that like Wolverine. So I'm just looking at Andreas's quote tweet because he then did enlighten us. Oh, we weren't right. that far. Oh yeah, actually. You were more right than me. So I could see a tourniquet. I could see some cannulas, oh. a pink and a blue. I could see some oh, yeah. blue gauze. I can see a cannula Hat. dressing, a kidney dish. Mm. Oh, spoon. Oh, wow. That's, that's where In they the are. In the NHS. That's, uh, yeah. oh my God. Wow. They've got the whole hospital's quota. That's the Holy Grail. One spoon. Okay. Yeah. So do you have, so what's in your drawer of doom at home? Super glue. Oh, it's Super useful. glue, a Stanley knife. Right. Eggs. Wow, you're practical. These are useful things. Do you know what? Don't ask no questions. I cannot tell you the answers. Peg. Probably there's various hair clips in there. Kebab skewers. Yeah. Um, Never know any of those. Alco wipes. Oh, interesting. Um, so I've also got a variety of syringes and uh, needles and filling needles for when I try to sneak alcohol into music festivals and think <laughs> of inventive ways to get alcohol into bottles that they still look like soft drinks. Oh, wow. Um, Seriously? So a... Yeah, use that a lot. What else is there? Matches. There's always matches. Yeah, Drawing pins. Yeah, pins. Oh, actually, there's, wow. I've got modelling balloons in there as well, actually. I don't know why. What? My dad brought me a modelling balloon kit once. I said, What's oh, it's something to keep balloon? you busy. You know those long balloons and you make balloon animals out of them? Oh. So I've got Can those you do them? No, absolutely not. But my what? dad bought me a pile and said, oh, I think this will be a really good skill for you to get. And then they're still there six years later. <laughs> That's so funny. Probably perish now. But yeah, I always <laughs> pull the drawer open and see these like long multicolored balloons and thinking, yeah. why have I still got these? What's in yours? What's in your Maybe drawer? Maybe you could use those to cover your ultrasound probes with instead. Yeah, God, they're like very long pencils. <laughs> <laughs> the tiniest uh, probe ever. Yeah. I had to do an echo <laughs> with that. <laughs> Six hours later. Focus. So we've got like a million charger cables for like Oh, I love the nondescript charger cables. Yeah, so many. Yeah. Got that. We've got can- some candles. So there'll be like some Christmas candles in there. Matches. Yeah, or a few tea lights. Yeah, I've got those in there as well. Yeah, tea lights. That's it. And we've got a barbecue lighter, some oven gloves. What else do we have in there? I've got like a hand fan, some... There's an old... Um, so we don't have it anymore. We used to have a Vitamix blender. And we've got. I'm sure there's like the... A Still part of that, even though it's gone. Yeah, yeah, we've got that in yeah. there. And oh, a few t- like takeaway menus. Oh yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much. That's pretty much that's it. But cliff. it's so stacked up that it's like the other thing is that it's so full that you don't really want to open it because it's actually quite yeah, hard to like. Something close always again. jams it. Yeah, that's it's it. not worth it. It's, you know, people like write books about the psychology of dreams and what dreams mean. I might start yeah. thinking about drawers and drawer? what the psychology of people's <laughs> shit enough. drawer is. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is that I feel like we'll only ever address that drawer when we move out. And be like, oh, Even wow. then, you could leave it as the new owners and a little surprise. Oh, just something to get you started. Yeah, yeah. here's a Chinese takeaway menu from yeah. 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're no longer open. Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. A few there are so many there are so many like really good uh, topics from this week, and I feel like we could try and touch upon them if that's okay. I yeah. know. So there was one that I saw which I thought was interesting. I put of interest that I put in, which was about I think it's happening in the states. I'm not sure about over here where to assess a person's body of work is, for students. They use AI writing detectors to see if there's been any evidence of plagiarism and. Apparently, what's seemingly happening is that it's more likely to pick up neurodiverse people's efforts because it flags them up as more likely to be plagiarism. Maybe because they're oh. themselves, I don't know. And doesn't that, I thought that kind of really highlights another kind of implicit disadvantage of being neurodivergent in a kind of neurotypical world that is very difficult to like measure, but again, is like one of those marginal deficiencies that just make life that little bit harder. Yeah, because then it's now thinking, that extra worry on top of where something's clearly not plagiarized but then you're second guessing how you your language I guess and how you write because that's a serious kind of accusation to make isn't it like we know that can get you into a lot of trouble but Mm. yeah it's interesting how AI has picked that up because AI has to so AI is not new information like AI is just utilizing information that already exists that Mm. has to go in to create AI doesn't it so I wonder where that's come from then that it's more neurodivergent geared do you think they're more sampling neurotypical people and therefore they just don't have something that there's something that's different yeah Yeah. it's it's really interesting and quite scary (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you, wrote, you put one in about filing a police report. Do you want to tell us this one after a Twitter follower flew to meet you for a date? Yeah. So this was really like, I don't, this just randomly came up on my timeline. Absolutely terrifying. So there was an original tweet like the day before by this account. And she said, so there was two pictures of her kind of obviously at a dinner table. Someone else opposite her was taking the picture. And she said, a follower flew to Chicago to take me on a dinner date. A first in history and certainly a fine reminder that if he wanted to, he would like this guy's making the effort, which then that tweet was quote tweeted the next day. I shouldn't laugh because it's just terrifying. And the same lady just said like a day later, I had to file a police report against him the following day because he spammed me with over 60 calls, texts and voicemails and threatened to kill me. (gasps) Like what the heck? So oh you're like days. literally going from one day where it's like, oh, they got this follower ah. came to wine and dine me. And then the next day, yeah, he threatened to kill yeah. me. I ended up like oh, fair gosh. play for owning that and yeah. warning of the dangers. But oh Couldn't my gosh, that, that is terrifying. God. It makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, just don't, you should never, you should basically never interact with people that you meet on Twitter or do podcasts with them because they'll only. Yeah, end up, it's like it's the, asking the for order. trouble. It's really yeah. asking for trouble. It's disastrous. <laughs> waiting for paperwork to come through <laughs> what's the comfort food thing yeah this kind of again goes on from the pot noodle thing but there was a comfort oh, food yeah. supplement in the guardian and when you think of comfort food like what we've just been speaking about isn't it like crisps or bloody pot noodles and stuff but this mm. one it was fried <laughs> harissa mackerel buns with chimichurri this is that's like, what, what duncan would want isn't it I yeah like it is that's so the, that goes with the tory well, i can't even say it fried harissa mackerel buns with chimichurri chimichurri what the hell is that i love saying amazing, chimichurri it but it does sound amazing but i just think comfort food is pure bland mm. not bland what? but beige starch isn't it whatever what is i just your, thought what um, is your I... comfort food say if you're not well yeah feeling a bit slow for yourself what is your go-to? Probably food? a fish finger and cheese sandwich with tartar sauce. I think I... Fish finger and cheese. L- so what type of cheese? So, you, do you know what? I'll even take the plastic sliced fake cheese. Like, oh, yeah? Yeah. Kind of really yeah. One. If I was being really dirty, yeah, that would be what I would have. One white bread. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. God, Fair yeah. Enough. And would it be um, not toasted? Just... No, just oh. soft, stodgy bread. Oh, Definitely wouldn't have harissa in it. I love harissa paste, do not get me wrong, but I just think that's <laughs> comfort food. Comfort food is yeah, easy, enough. it's healing. What would yours be? Pizza. Mine would be so easy that I wouldn't make it myself. Yeah, how did you know? Yeah, yeah. So, no. it'd be so I wouldn't make it myself. And it'd be a yeah, stuffed oh, curry. Yeah. Yes, and extra cheese. Extra cheese. And I don't really care about the flavour. In fact, I quite like a veggie supreme. I'd have that and I'd definitely end it with a tub of ice cream. That's probably like when I'm feeling Oh, sorry. yeah. That's what comfort food should be about. Right. I'm not saying this isn't comfort food. I am saying that. It isn't. Because <laughs> it just seems like a really not it's posh, too... but it's not. No, it's it's going to have a little leaf yeah. and garnish on it. No, yeah. yeah. Cool. We've come to time. 
And I think we've done, yeah, I think we've done well. There's always topics left over, but I think for that, thank you for all your efforts in the, in the newsletter. I look forward to looking at that and oh, catching cool. up on the stuff that we've missed. Do you want to leave with any parting wisdom? I keep asking you, don't I? I feel like. Yeah, and I should have something prepared, but yeah, just go eat more fish finger sandwiches. I think yeah. is always a good. I don't think we do like, enough. No, it's a very underrated. Do you know what? It's another excuse to bring in air fryers, Therusha. Yeah. Do you put your fish fingers in the air fryers? Oh my God. I've got to say, every time I use it, irritatingly, I tend to set the fire alarm off. Do you do this? Does this happen to you or is it just me? Absolutely not. Therusha, this is, is it actually working? Like, why? Is this a sort of electrical (laughs) fire that. Literally. I'm setting the fire alarm. There's smoke coming out of it. No, but no, it's not actually like smoke. When I open oh, is it, it the I heat? Can... Or, oh, yeah. yeah. Like so they do get quite hot. Oh, yeah. If you've got like a heat alarm, maybe. Yeah. Are you just right. like holding the air fryer like above your head, <laughs> sacrificing <laughs> it? Yeah. Thank you for the it. chicken nuggets. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not gone down very well with Joe. So now what I'm tending to do is oh, like, no. make it before she comes home. She's... Because often what I do is I wait till the kids go to bed and then I'll be like, I fancy some fried chicken. And then yeah. the fire alarm's going off and that's not conducive. And then there's kids screaming. She put a sock. What do people used to do when they used to like, and smoke in the toilets would put oh, really? a sock over it. Also, yeah. Well, yeah. What happened last time was like Joe was like standing there with a dishcloth. Oh, like, the wafting. Yeah. She's like, I'm not enjoying your air fryer. And I'm like, really sorry. Oh, Joe, we need to convert Joe. We need to make her some yeah. sort of slapper air fryer meal. It sounds awful. Awesome, yeah, yeah. I tried doing chips the other day and then I overloaded it with chips. And so the outside of them was oh, great. Oh, and then you have that deceiving. Like... Yeah. I bought myself some little shelves to put in that separate them. Oh, so yeah. I've now got four compartments instead of two. Oh, wow. Oh, this okay. is such a riveting conversation. I but, know, yeah. People are yeah, just like, oh my God. But <laughs> it does maximise the crispiness if anyone's interested. Do you think, I, obviously, we've got the Scrubs promotion. Do you think we can approach some air fryer yeah. companies as well? Oh, yeah. That'd be really cool. Ninja. We're really selling it, aren't we? Yeah, Ninja. Oh, yeah. I could do some Ninja yeah. pans, actually. Yeah, let's work yeah. on that. Let's do that. Yeah, All eat right, more cool. fish finger sandwiches, everyone, and buy an air yeah. fryer. Yeah. And keep tweeting at Ninja and link it to us somehow. And, you know, yes, that, that let's make air fryers our personality. It's happened <laughs> yeah. to so many people already. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, thank you for listening. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye Look now. after yourselves. Bye bye.